Today's episode is called Everybody Knows It's the Law. But first, here's JP Sears and Eddie Bravo. Good evening. Your life is not yours anymore because things are going according to plan. And in Let's Keep the Truth from the Public News, the FDA asked a court for 75 years to keep Pfizer safety data concealed from the public before they have to reveal it. Nothing fishy about that. That's like if your wife asked you, are you cheating on me? And you say, I'll answer that question in 75 years. There is nothing suspicious about that. But for some reason, the public thinks the FDA and their pharmaceutical cohorts are trying to hide something when they see them trying to hide something. Very paranoid. Nonetheless, a judge has not granted them 75 years. The FDA has been ordered to reveal it all in eight months. Still too long. There's, there's just three theories. Bad, evil scientists, sci-fi movie, or did you guys just rebrand the flu? Is that all you did? And then people are like, how could they possibly do it? I don't know what's going on. I'm going to make that clear. I don't fucking know. I just go by common sense. Common sense. Common sense, right? So, like, on the streets, it's all about common sense. There isn't no fucking illogical shit on the streets. On the streets, it's all common sense. Can you imagine? Can you imagine you go to your drug, or your cartel lord, and you say, boss, turns out this test we've been using for our coke to see how much fentanyl's in there? He goes, yes, yes. Turns out the last two years, the tests were bunked. They can't tell the difference between fentanyl and coke. On the streets, there would be heads in suitcases. <laughs> <laughs> right? On the, they, would, they wouldn't just let that shit go. They don't, on the streets, they wouldn't let that shit go. So, um, uh, you know, you just think about all the, all the things. Like, what is it, those three? Is it, is it a bat, evil scientist, or they just rebranded the flu? And then you start taking all these different, you go on the timeline, like January 20th, they, the, the, the CDC and the WHO says, hey, guess what? We can't, don't set these uh, PCR tests at 40 cycles anymore. They give out 95% false positives, bring it down to 28 cycles. You're like, wait a minute, we went the whole fucking 2020 yeah. on 40 cycles? Yeah. Right. On the streets? Right. Yeah. Your head's in a fucking, in a bucket of <laughs> yeah. cement. And they just throw it into the riverbed. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it's not even on the street. Like, if you were in a corporation, you'd be fired. Oh, you'd be of just course. Done. These are just common sense. Common sense. Wait, you're telling me the day Joe Biden gets inaugurated, it turned out, like, who knows how these tests even run? But it, I don't know how the 40 cycles, 20, but it's a fact. They said it, CDC and the WHO, at 40 cycles, 95% false positives. Yeah. What, what does that do to the overall number that they're using? What does that do? What does that do? And when you say your uncle died of COVID, did you know that 90, was it at 40 cycles? Because that's 95% false positive. That's why you had all these guys testing a positive and they weren't even sick. They're like, I'm, I guess I got COVID, but I ain't sick. You know what? Because it's 95% false positives. It's like, everyone's like, people are dying. I'm like, hey man, when was the time that nobody died?
Now watch this boring clip of CDC Director Rochelle Walensky. Consideration in not requiring a five a negative test after these five days because there aren't enough tests to go around in this country. You know, we make these recommendations in the context of science, in the context of ongoing epidemiology, and in the context of what is feasible in collaboration with our public health and local um, and state public health partners. Um, and through that discussion um, and through the discussions um, within CDC with our own subject matter experts and with the FDA, um, we made the recommendation, you know, these tests are actually not authorized for the purpose of um, evaluating contagiousness. She said, um, five times in that short answer, um, 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 which typically means someone's having to think really hard about what to say and not say. But when someone is speaking what's called truth, it's much easier because there's simply nothing to hide and therefore nothing to filter out with the um net. Oh, and also, what was that last thing she said? You know, these tests are actually not authorized for the purpose of um, evaluating contagiousness. Got it. The tests aren't authorized to evaluate contagiousness. The brilliance of the narrative is really off the charts on this one, as we're continuously told we need to be nasally raped repeatedly in order to control the spread of this uncontrollable disease, which is called contagiousness, while doing so using a test not authorized to evaluate contagiousness. Hello and welcome to Everybody Knows. This is episode five. We took a week off. We'll talk about that in a second. Today we're going to talk about, oh, I don't know. I guess we'll talk a little bit of the Rona. Everybody knows, be scared of the Rona. <laughs> I don't really know how to how to put that one. But then we're going to get into law. And, uh, you know, everybody knows it's the law. Well, what is it's? Nobody seems to know about the it's, but it sure is the law. Johnny Melrose, you're still alive. I don't know how. You, you beat the odds again, my friend. Tell us about it. Yeah, this is my second time getting sick. I guess uh, I had uh, what they would call the Rona, uh, what, in August, where you lost my taste and everything, and I got over it. But now I'm here in Mexico, and um, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. It's the start to uh, 2022 here, and uh, everything was going pretty good. Um, actually, uh, I even went to a couple little parties and things, and then all of a sudden... Five days after I was at this party, um, in the middle of the night, I wake up at, I don't know, what was it, like four in the morning, between three and four in the morning, and I could just feel this pulsing through my whole body like I was getting frequency waved, like, poof, poof, right? Like, I could feel it. Like, you can't, uh, you know, when it happens, you know. <laughs> anyway, and then all of a sudden, my throat was dry, and then my throat was sore, and that happened two nights in a row, and then all of a sudden, I started having all these symptoms of what they would say, you know, maybe Omicron might be. Um, it lasted for two or three days. I got over it, and um, you know, a week later, I'm feeling back to a million bucks. I didn't do a whole lot other than you know take some Tylenol because I had a headache. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, I was down for the count for a solid week. It kind of delayed the show here a little bit, slowed us down, but uh, feeling great today. And uh, I mean, uh, it's I find it coincidental that at the same time, around the same time, all the case numbers in Mexico, you know, went through the roof. Meanwhile, I don't have very much connection to, you know, anyone here, and uh, I had this frequency experience, you know, which gets into the topic of five G, and I'm like, you know, it raised some questions for me. I don't know if it sounds kind of fishy to you, but to me, man, I'm like, you know, can they just bump this thing up and make people have symptoms, even if they're small? 
get everyone running to the test centers because the test centers all of a sudden are, are overloaded down here in Mexico and everyone's freaking out because everyone has a sore throat. Um, but, you know, is it coronavirus or is it radiation poisoning? I don't know. I don't want to get tested anyway because I don't know what the hell heck's in those tests or if they're even really legit. I mean, CDC... If you listen to the clip coming in, uh, they even say, you know, it doesn't even test whether you're contagious anyway. So what's the point in getting one of these tests, right? Um, But I'm feeling healthy today. That's the main point here. And um, that kind of strengthened my resolve in the fact that I feel like they maybe have a a hand on the dial where they can kind of dial this thing up and down, not only with the test, you know, whether the tests are legit or not, but they might even be able to get us symptoms. I don't know. That maybe sound a little bit outside the box, but that's kind of what I felt I went through anyway. I'll pass it over to you because I'm going to get into a topic that's going to make me sound like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, I I kind of agree with you. I I know it's possible uh, that it's radiation poisoning. That's exactly what 5G was used for in the military well before it was our internet source. Um, and there's a lot of people warning that uh, during this pandemic that that's what's going to happen. They're going to, uh, uh, you know roll out the 5g we all know the 5g is rolling out right now and yeah the numbers are spiking again amazing it's almost like our wi-fi could be weaponized against us i know that makes me sound like a a conspiracy theorist but um that's what the patents say (laughs) basically on 5g is it was uh and can be very harmful and used as a weapon and uh every time we seem to roll out a new uh, what do you want to call it, a frequency like that, like 4G, 3G. Uh, we have gone through these little mini, I don't know if you want to call it a pandemic, but people do get sick. And amazingly... Yeah, people get sick this, and die. <laughs> yeah, the symptoms of radiation poisoning are none other than the symptoms of the flu and, amazingly, the same symptoms as the coronavirus. Huh. That's odd. <laughs> Isn't that odd? Now, we've heard uh, things like the CDC just said the, the PCR doesn't measure its contagiousness. I've also heard it can't differentiate between anything, including the flu, the cold, uh, or different uh, variants of the coronavirus. And we've also heard them speak on uh, at 40 cycles, we're getting a 95% false positive rate, which basically means the number that they're presenting us is a minimum of 20 times lower, you know? That's but that's like literally what the conspiracy theorists like that's to brand people that because they're giving you information is so ridiculous and ludicrous. But that's what you know, that's what they do. And uh, they were telling you this right from the beginning that these numbers are being inflated massively. There's people with heart attacks dying that also test positive for Corona. And that's what people were screaming at the top of their lungs about. And everyone ignored them. And, well, now they're telling us this right in the news. Uh, and yet everyone that's on team government and team pro-vax seems to miss these memos when the information goes against their thesis. So the government's literally admitting all the things the conspiracy theorists have said. And yet the people that believe the things that they were told by them do not believe the new information saying that they were wrong. Uh, I think the cognitive dissonance is so strong. It is so bizarre to me. Uh, People just have to be right. Like they're wearing the team jersey already. They can't, I guess they can't unvax themselves, but it doesn't matter. Like you got it, live your life. Admit the government's a bunch of liars. You know, that's much healthier, I think. (laughs) But 
Oh, oh boy. So, yeah, that's a lot uh, to unpack. I mean, like, we knew this was a fictitious, you know, pandemic. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of us, a lot of us did kind of, I mean, me even going into it, I was, you know, al- alarmed at, uh, when it first got set off because uh, we knew some guys from the CIA and they're like, this is it. And they shut down their gold and silver shop and they headed to like a bunker and that was like an early like in january of 2020 so i was like maybe i should prepare myself a little bit but i didn't really know what i was preparing preparing myself for um and then uh you know it's like they do all this psychological damage where they you know changed all the stats and made everyone really afraid and um everyone that died or anything that happened to anyone you know all those emotions got pumped into everyone's family and you know it's really hard to move emotional trauma so people will hang on to this stuff for years, decades. They'll think that it's real, um, you know, and that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to change someone's mind once they've been fooled, right? Um, as the old Mark Twain quote that we pull out every episode. It's easier to <laughs> fool people than to convince them that they've been fooled. So that's right. Unfortunately, we have to live with that because uh, even though personally it doesn't bother me and none of this uh, programming is working, it's working on my mm-hmm. environment, and uh, your environment will have large impacts on you. So, I guess we have to keep talking about this kind of crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. You know, I, I want to say something really quick. I, I saw this clip, too, and this woman, I don't know if you saw this clip, but this woman calls out Trudeau and uh, says that he's basically guilty of high treason and reminds him that they used to hang people from the nearest tree for that kind of a... <laughs> thing and you could see him on the stage and he has his head down and he's like looking like yeah well obviously he doesn't think that he's gonna have to pay the price for anything but um i you know i admire the courage of the woman that's in a crowded audience telling the prime minister that he oh he should basically be uh, killed for what he's done <laughs> for that treason and you know the crimes that they've committed over the last two years well, knowing it what it is she's not wrong this is treason hundred uh, yeah. uh, percent. It is crimes against humanity. Yeah. They have manufactured a pandemic with, you know, cherry picking statistics that were mm-hmm. generated by using things that can't measure <laughs> the difference between a flu or a COVID or uh, tests that do not evaluate contagiousness to stop the spread. Um and they lied about the effectiveness and safety of the vaccines. I mean, they've lied about everything and they've been caught and uh, people are sticking to their original opinions. It's, it's mind-blowing. Not everyone. I can say there's some people that are close to me that uh, that took the first two, but now are like, wow, like this clearly doesn't work. All their friends that took boosters are sick as fuck. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm chilling somehow. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've managed to get a little bit sick twice, right? And everyone's like, you know, my buddy is like, oh, that's hilarious. I'm like, what's hilarious? That I got sick, but I, because I'm not vaccinated or whatever. It's like, okay, well, cool. Um, but I didn't go to the hospital. <laughs> I was sick for a few days, kind of like I would have been anyway. Um, and who knows what kind of uh, contributing factors would have happened, you know, in any of those situations. But, you know, the, the sad part is, is that the government, you know, they're still ramping things up here and they're completely changing the face of what is acceptable. So, I mean, like, you know, I talk to my dad and I'll be like, hey, you know what? I don't really like some of the flavors in Mexico. My mom would be like, oh, well, you can come back home to come back home anytime. And I'm like, ah, I can't come home because the government, uh, the government, your government doesn't want me. 
<laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? No, it's your decision. You just have to get vaccinated. It's like, well, but my decision is not to do that. And they don't want me if I'm not. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe I, yeah. Um, but if, uh, you know, if maybe if, uh, if some of the citizens in the country had some backbone and told them that, you know, told them otherwise, then I'd be more than willing to come home. Uh, under my own terms, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna decide to do something because I'm being politically forced to. You know, that's uh, ridiculous. Forced. Anyway. Forced is a strong word. Forced contracting is a breach of law. We're gonna it be is. getting into law here. I don't know uh, how quickly. I, it sounds like I'm transitioning already, but uh, we're gonna oh, be yeah. talking well, about it. Maybe we should just transition right now. I'm sure, mm-hmm. people have heard enough about the Rona. Oh. And they're going to be hearing more about it because they're just going to make up a new deadly variant soon. <laughs> you got to be oh. scared. <laughs> Although the the wheels are falling off the bus a little bit on it, but who knows what they're going to... They might backpedal. More and more people are awake to it, but it's still not enough. It's not enough people to like change the history books. It's still schools and all these institutions are following it, all the businesses... So there's no way that more than half the people are going to oppose the government ever. And that's, I mean, what all their budgets are for and lobbying and mind control devices like these TVs and all the media they own. And like they have a, they have it going on. They have a monopoly on your mind, (laughs) you know, or on the public's mind pretty much. And they don't like free thinkers because they like their monopoly. But maybe let's get into it. Everybody knows it's the law. Well, what the fuck is it? And what the fuck is the law? Well, how do we start this? Yeah, what what is the law? Oh, my. Well, the word law, as we're discussing today, uh, it refers to common law. Whereas everything else that we know as law is, generally speaking, legislation, which is not law, but it's enforced as such. Um, so the common law is kind of ancient but it's just you know the law of the land among the common people and there are three parts to common law and that's it there's three laws uh you cannot do harm to others you cannot Mm -hmm. do damage to uh property you can so you can't damage people's property and you can't harm them and lastly the third one is you cannot commit fraud in your contracts seems pretty fair right now think about all the legislation they have things like murder manslaughter uh assault rape all this stuff it's all all these different words for different specific breaches of a common law which is harming someone but now they all can attach different penalties um you know terms of imprisonment or fines they don't charge you under the law of the harming someone in common law. They charge you under the legislation. Um, yeah, because, you know, the penalties can be different and, and all that. But mm-hmm. basically everything that we agree to under this legislation, uh, as far as like things like that, like obviously you can't hurt people or rape them under common law. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that, but basically... All we need is those three laws and the world's a perfect place. No one cares if you roll a stop sign. They only care if you hurt someone while rolling that stop sign. And now you've harmed somebody. So you're going to be penalized under the common law, which you do not want to be. But it's different, right? The legislation can restrict all these little things. Whereas in the common law, you can do what you want. But if you fuck up and hurt someone, they're coming down on you. If you want to get drunk and drive your car and hit someone, 
The fucking book is being thrown at you. It's amazing that when a drunk driver kills you, it's not called murder. It's not, it's, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not harming someone under the common law, which, you know, you would be fucked for. But of course, it's a drinking and driving incident. It's another act of legislation, which comes with heavy fines, suspensions of license, sometimes jail time. It's kind of a weird construct. And so we're going to get into uh, the difference, I guess, or how they do that. Um, man, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place here. I don't really know how to intro law. There's so much to it. Um, so I just thought we'd start at the beginning, and that's the common law. Uh, the next thing that kind of happens to you, maybe my friend Melrose can tell you about here, is when you're born, what happens? And uh, When and you're born. Yeah, so take us through the birth. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, the whole thing about law is what I've started to dive into and understand is like... <clears throat> To be in law, like you have to have some form of a contract, or um, yet they can't actually penalize you as a human being because we have human rights. And so, the first thing that they have to do is they create the straw man account for you. Um, and one of the first things you do when you um, come into the world is uh, your parents sign you and they register you to the government. Um, and some people, I mean, try to get out of a hospital without signing that paperwork. It doesn't happen. Um, I had a buddy that was trying to, um, or he, when he gave birth to his son, they wanted to, they said, oh, this looks like a legal contract because they wanted them to sign all the paperwork. It's like, I want to take it home and read it and I'll come back and we'll do it. They had the hospital administrator come down and they would not let them leave the, the hospital room until they signed the paperwork because it's that important. Um, and why is that important? Um, it's a great question. I mean, there's a lot of questions that come up when you t start talking about birth certificates. I mean, uh, one question is, is why do they put birth certificates on bond paper? Um, why are your names in all capital letters? Um, and the other thing is, you know, everybody knows that birth certificates are required to exist as a human being. <laughs> is that true? Or are we actually just being turned into corporations? Um, and What's the implication of that? If, if it was required to be a human being, then you wouldn't be able to be spit out of uh, the womb without one. And you already were. So I think we know it doesn't. You can totally exist without one as uh, you can be born. <laughs> so, um, but what they are doing is 100%, like you said, they are, they're, you know, they're registering you as, you know, government property. But it's a shell account, basically. You know, like shell corporations, they're they're literally opening a corporation with your name in all capital letters. And later in life, they're going to trick you into being that corporation instead of having that corporation. But continue, Mr. Melrose. I like where you're going with this. Yeah, I mean, one question that I always had when I started getting into this, because there's people that you can find them all through not just on YouTube, but there's other sources and you can start digging into things like uh, human rights legislation, Magna Carta, all these kinds of things. But um, when you start following, okay, well, why is there an account number uh, with my name tied to it on a birth certificate? And, you know, there's people that will allege that uh, when you're born, you actually are 
worth an X amount of dollar value. And um, that really, our birth certificates are actually just kind of like playing cards. So, you know, imagine, you know, uh, growing up, I used to collect hockey cards and baseball cards and a few friends that, you know, they would collect the same things. But imagine that your governments do the exact same thing <laughs> with all their citizens, only they're actually backed by tangible amounts. And um, when you start doing the math on it, uh, you realize that if you said, okay, hey, everyone's worth $250,000 or a million dollars, let's say, um, and then you look at what they're loaning against when you go to the, uh, say, Bank of Canada, is it a coincidence that the numbers that they loan against match, say, like $500,000 per person, um, and then they get into debt for the exact amount that that would be based on the population of the country, you know? Um, is there a coincidence there? You know, uh, it's, it, it's interesting to think about that maybe they've basically pulled that money straight or loaned against our actual human equity. Um, but again, that's a theory. I can't really prove a whole lot of those things. It's just interesting to think about that maybe we're being handed around like, um, like playing cards. And that's why it's very important that you have to go through all these things if you want to go become a citizen of a different place. Um, and really, they have you as a financial asset on, on a balance sheet, mm -hmm. you know. Well, um, you're a human resource, and the resources resource. have value. And exactly. Canada, the land, I'll just use Canada because that's where I am, but the, the theory is that, like you said, there's a, like a value assigned to you. Well, the value is the resources of the land that you were born on divided amongst the people equally because no corporation can truly own the, the land. Um, which is Canada as a corporation. So, well, I don't know if that's exactly the right way to word it. I should probably be careful with that, but that's the theory behind all this. The birth certificates literally have a bond number on them. You could pull your birth certificate out right now, take a look at it. Your name will be in all capitals, and on the back, there will be a bond number. It starts with a B. Uh, you can find that. that. That's like, yeah, that's on the stock market. Mm -hmm. So you have a value. And... Um, you may not realize it, but when you go to the bank and take out a loan, they're actually just accessing the money that your straw man um, has set aside for him. You know, the bank legally cannot lend you money, according to the Bank Act. They have never lent one cent and never will, never have. So what they're doing is, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into the banks, <laughs> the bank part of the yeah, law yeah. here. Yeah. Let's keep rolling. Um, so you're signing a promissory note when you take out a loan. They'll give you this contract. You sign it, and then all of a sudden, this money is created, basically, out of thin air. Okay. Here's your twenty grand, David. You just signed a contract. Well, what you did was you created the money. That contract is the money. And then they give you fiat currency in place of it. That contract then gets bundled with a whole bunch of other promises to pay, hence the promissory note, and they're basically sold on the stock market. Because you have agreed to pay X amount of interest per year and make payments, this is now, um, you know, it, it's an asset, essentially. So they'll bundle these assets up and basically sell them to somebody. Um, and for that, they will uh, collect some interest. It's kind of kind of crazy like that. So... The bank never loaned you money. And now if you think about it, say you borrow 100 grand and you don't pay it back, how come you don't get arrested for stealing $100,000? You just get bad credit. 
Well, because the bank never loaned you money. So how are they going to say you stole it when it was yours and they accessed it for you? That's how that works. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? Like, But yeah, you would think you can't just steal $100,000 and get away with it. But you can if it's from the bank. Go figure. Because <laughs> possession, possession, every, everybody knows possession's nine-tenths of the law. Right? So if you go right. steal 100 grand from a store, someone else is in possession of that money, you rob them you will then be arrested for that. But if you do it from the bank, oddly enough, you're not. And that's just because, just like I said, they are accessing your money for you and then stealing a fee from you without ever telling you that's what's happening. Greasy bankers. Greasy, yeah. Super greasy. So do you want to talk about promissory notes and that kind um, of thing? Yeah, we can. I mean, we can t touch over it uh, quickly. I mean... Um... Uh, my first experience coming over promissory notes was when I, um, was it the Ubuntu movement? I can't remember his name from there. And he he was paying off mortgages using promissory notes, things like that. Mm -hmm. And I know you've had some uh, interesting experiences being, being able to clear off some, some debts that way too, but <laughs> not so much with a promissory note. I think you're just looking for proof, right, <laughs> that the debt exists. Um, but when we talk about promissory notes, every single loan is a promissory note. When we sign it, we actually have created the value of the note. It goes onto a bank ledger as um, uh, a credit to them, and then they loan it back to you. So you get to pay back what you've already created with interest. Um, they actually have no entitlement to any of that, of those funds. Um, so that's why there's all kinds of loopholes if you start understanding the law on why there's no consideration, because they haven't given you anything. Um, you've actually loaned it to yourself. You've given yourself your own money, and then they are claiming interest on it for, I guess, accessing it, if you think about it the way that uh, Dave has brought it up. and um, You're not even loaning it to yourself. You're just giving it to yourself. The whole premise of the yeah. loan is just fictitious. You don't have to pay back a cent of it. It's yours. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> they already, you already gave them the collateral, which is the promissory note. So... Mm -hmm. It's funny, not only do they get the promissory note, but they actually get all the money that uh, they gave you for it, and then they charge you interest on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's actually so uh, funny. Yeah, the, like, what a bunch of criminals. That is great. So, the way that works, believe it or not, your signature has value. It has value, period. It is considered money. On the Bills of Exchange Act, a promissory note is defined as money. That signature that created this money is money. So let's uh, give you an example. You want to borrow 10 grand from me and I want something as collateral. So because I can't access the, uh, your money for you, I don't uh, hand you a contract, which is a promissory note, but perhaps you'll lend me your golf clubs as collateral. They're really nice. They're worth a few thousand dollars. Uh, you're going to make your payments to me and pay this off. Obviously, at the end of this, you want your collateral back, right? That would be only fair. So um, my experience, I didn't really want to talk about this too much, but um, when I was going down the rabbit hole on this kind of stuff, I found it very interesting, obviously, because I realized that, hey, they just accessed my money for me. I don't even have to legally pay this back because I was confident after going through the Bank Act and uh, some other acts like the bills of exchange. Mm -hmm. And I came across um, a forum that has well been taken care of. Believe me, none of the good stuff's on the internet still. But this is back in like 2010. Um, 
there was some really good information online about, you know, people standing up to the government and uh, claiming to be, you know, sovereigns and live by the common law rather than the legislation. And they understand that they have persons, that they're not persons, and they literally fight about this in court when they have to. Um, and they've had success. And I found this to be very interesting and literally alarming because the, the law rabbit hole is just like, wow. Like, you know how greasy this is when you can take a language like English and then write laws that look like it's in English, but you literally created your own language called legalese. Like everybody's mm -hmm. heard of legalese, but no one realizes that the words in, in legalese have different meanings than they do in English. So they can literally change any word they want as long as it's in the act. They'll have definitions of the act. So they could say the word David means loser in this act. And every time it says David, it literally just means this loser. Okay? So they can change the words to mean whatever they want. And that's what they do. They literally do that. Like, it's so greasy, man. They, they change things like mandate to, like... Uh, a contract offering to do something and it is only applies to those that accept the contract basically you know nobody knows it means stuff like that so uh, legalese is so greasy for for your superiors you think they rule over you even though we'll get into the fact that we're equals um, to, to change the words and the definitions because they know you're not going to bother reading the law to find out it is pretty tricky so here's my experience I want to do uh, with the you know with the bank here like we said um, you don't actually have to pay the money back well I have proof of that because I actually did it I wanted to know I had the money so I didn't really give a shit if I was wrong I would just pay it <laughs> so here's what happened long story I uh, had an old girlfriend I lived with uh, at the time we were getting serious we had a house she wanted us to have the same bank account so I closed my checking account at TD and I was moving over to a credit union. Well, I actually had a credit card through TD. Uh, it was a Capital One that I had canceled because it was my only credit card that worked for online poker and I was starting to be a bad boy. <laughs> so I just said, you know what? I'm just gonna cancel this card and pay it off and that's it. No more, because online poker, I was thinking it was getting greasy. There's all kinds of stories where people are like literally able to see your cards and just steal your money. And I know that happened to me before because I had a guy call me on the river with Jack High when I was bluffing my whole stack and then give me a little winky face in the chat. And like, no one can call anything with Jack High. <laughs> <laughs> but he did. And there's like this pot raker guy you can get on YouTube and check out pot raker. Apparently he is the, the greatest poker player of all time because he literally could see the cards before that you can. You can see everyone's cards plus all five cards that are coming. So obviously he knows what hands to play. Anyway, that was a big story, totally off topic, but that's why I decided, fuck this, I'm cutting up this credit card. So whatever, I haven't missed any payments, I'm doing my thing, I'm getting it paid off, whatever. Then I close my checking account and go over to my ex's uh, bank, okay? The very next day, I get a phone call from a collector saying, you have to pay this like, four thousand dollars by the end of the week kind of thing and i was like what in the fuck is this like what are they even talking about you know and then uh i get some mail and it is exactly that i'm like what the hell is going on here so i call uh the bank and i ask and they say well we can do that because you closed your account and now we don't have the right to just debit it if you miss it 
So uh, to avoid you not paying, which it hasn't been a problem, they can just send it to their collection side of the business. And I was like, well, that's bullshit, right? So I started digging into it because I'm not just going to be bullied like this. And what do I find out? Oh, wow. I find out a lot of stuff. I find out that a debt collector literally doesn't have the right to collect from you without your consent. That's how contracts work. You have to be a willing participant. So what they did was they sent me a notice, which is um, just a letter in the mail that is opening a legal conversation. That's what a notice is. Um, and that notice was, I don't have it here. Oh, I do have it here. So basically it says, uh, it says at the top, the date, then it has my name, address, and, um, and a little, a letter, okay? It says, we have been retained by Capital One Services Inc. to demand payment of $6,751. So actually, as this has been going on, they've just been accumulating all this interest on me and now my bill's like that big, that's so funny. But anyway, it says, representing the balance of your MasterCard account as of October 31st, 2011, hmm. uh, which was much lower. And it says, and our legal fees and uh, distribution, uh, distribu blah, 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 blah. Uh, disbursements <laughs> are legal fees and disbursements to date in the amount of $612 legal fees of $500 um, and taxes of 62 cents uh, disbursements of 50 that's how they came to that number as interest is uh, as interest is occurring on this amount please contact our office upon receipt of this letter to obtain the current amount due and then it says in bold letters, if we do not receive payment by way of cash or certified check payable to, I won't say their name because I don't want to embarrass my opponent, within seven days of the date of this letter, we will be instructed to commence the necessary legal proceedings to collect. Kindly govern yourself accordingly. Yours truly, the scumbag lawyer that tried to collect from me. So what we have here is a contract offering. So let's kind of break this down a bit. We might as well start right at the end here where it says, if we do not receive payment uh, by way of cash or certified check payable to the loser within seven days of the date of this letter, we are instructed to commence the necessary legal proceedings to collect. Okay, so if I do not pay within seven days, they're taking me to court to collect. Well, what they do is they date the letter November 1st and then they send it on about November 8th. Okay, that's how greasy they are. They give you no time to prepare, but whatever. No uh, reasonable judge would think that when you receive a letter after the date it's due, that that's acceptable. So what I ended up doing was was sending them um, a, a letter I, I found uh, some people had success with. And it's really smart because it, it handcuffs your opponent and literally just gives them no outs. So when you get a notice like this, if you just ignore it, uh, silence is consent in law. They will say, hey, we reached out legally. They ignored us. The judge will say, well, pay this. That's basically the way that's going to work. Okay. So what I did was I hit it back to them. You got to, it's like tennis. You got to hit it back over the net. And I replied, to whom it may concern, I would like to make arrangements to settle the above reference matter. Please provide me with your statement of the amount owing as of the date, together with your assurance that you will accept payment in direct and immediate exchange for the original instrument of indebtedness in its original form. Thank you very much, Dave Milhouse. Well, what I just said there 
was, hey, I would like to make the arrangements to pay this. Please provide me with the amount I owe. Together with that amount you owe, I need your assurance. Assurance is the key word here. That you will accept the payment in direct and immediate exchange for the original instrument of indebtedness in its original form. That's a short and sweet letter, okay? It gives them no outs because to, to send the ball back over the net and send me another notice, they now have to reply to what I just said. Had I said a whole bunch of other shit too, they could reply to some part of that, ignore the rest, and they will have successfully hit the ball over. And then I'll have to say, hey, yeah, but you ignored all this, this, and this. You know, so you just, you leave it super short and concise. There's no outs. So how do they reply to this? Is it, is it an unreasonable request that I'm making? Absolutely not. What is the original instrument of indebtedness? Well, that's the promissory note. That's the contract that created the debt. That is your property. Your signature is your property. It has a value, just like lending me your golf clubs would as collateral. It is what created the money. It is the actual money. The fiat is bullshit. The promissory note is real money. And that's why they bundle them and sell them on the stock market, essentially, for people to collect the interest. So I am asking if they will put in writing that they will accept the payment for what I owe in exchange for my property back. Well, they can't do that. They cannot give you the assurance because they can't get the promissory note back. It is fucking gone, okay? And the reason it says in its original form is because a photocopy is a forgery legally, okay? It's not the contract that created it. It's not my signature. It's a copy of my signature. That's a big difference. Your signature is not a copy of your signature. So let's say, is this your signature? And you say yes, well, then you're admitting it is and you're fucked. But if you know that that's a forgery, that's what a copy is legally defined, then that is not acceptable evidence. So, what do they, they, they have nothing to say to that. They literally have nothing to say to that. They know they're fucked. You've been completely reasonable. You're like, hey, yo, I'll pay this. Just, you know, tell me how much and I'm going to need the contract that created the debt. Cool. No judge would say you're being unreasonable. Because by law, you are actually uh, legally, you know, entitled to the original instrument of indebtedness if you pay back uh, the money at all. So, so what do they do? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. They literally do nothing. They're not going to tell you you're right. They're not going to tell you you're wrong. Because if they're wrong, then they're if you if they're saying that you're wrong, then they're committing fraud in their contracts. You can't do that. You get, I guess you would just reply and say, no, I'm not. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know how that would work, but they don't even bother. So uh, when it came to, that's what, that's what you send to the bank, okay? That's how you make it cool with the bank. But if you want to get rid of a collector, that will send you, you know, some sort of letter saying, hey, we get to collect. So the first one I read actually gets this letter I'm about to read. This is the one you send to the bank to just clear it. So uh, none of this is legal advice. I am not, you know, a lawyer and I can't give legal advice. This is just something I did to see if it was true because I didn't give a shit. I had the money to pay it. I already had my house and other credit cards. Like, I didn't give a fuck. They're just playing, playing with the wrong dude. But when it came to uh, the collection lawyers, so it was just a really big law firm in Winnipeg. Um, I, again, I reply. 
Uh, at the top, you'll put like from, so put your name, put the date, put to who it's to, okay? Uh, the RE, like re, it's about my MasterCard, and the account number is this, I say. And then it goes down, to whom it may concern. I confirm that I have received a written communication from you dated, when it was dated, wherein you make reference to the above captioned matter. It is apparent that you are acting on the presumption that some relationship that you may have with Capital One Service Inc. is in some way related to me. I am not a party to this implied relationship you have with Capital One Service Inc., either directly, indirectly, or by means of tacit consent. Accordingly, I do not understand how to respond to you in as much as I am unaware of any contractual relationship between us. As a courtesy, and because you may find it helpful, I have attached recent correspondence between myself and Capital One, where, wherein uh, I have repeatedly offered to settle the matter between myself and Capital One. Sincerely, Dave Milhouse. So here you're saying, look, I don't have a contract with you, no matter how you slice it, just because you have a contract with, uh, this collector has a contract with Capital One does not mean I have one with you. That's not how that works. So you're just closing the door on them. You're saying no contract, but in a nice way, right? Um, so that gets rid of them. Literally, that gets rid of them. Um, that's pretty funny. That, that's literally the only thing you need to get rid of a debt collector, is what I just read. Uh, and of course, this is all just for entertainment, and I am not a lawyer, and I made all this up, so don't try it, because it's not true. Except I'm looking at my <laughs> evidence that I have had for over 10 years in a file, just in case they want to come back after me. And when that happens, you just enter it in the court file, Say, look, I've tried to take care of this. They weren't reasonable. They wouldn't give me back my property. And they tried to have some goons collected from me, but I denied them contract. And then they're fucked. They have nothing to say. So you're not going to hear back when you send that, when you send that notice. Uh, when you do send a notice, it's important uh, to send it registered mail, because otherwise they can claim they never got it. But if you go to the post office and you pay like 10 bucks for registered mail, you will get a receipt and a tracking number and uh, when you put that in your court file, uh, according to the law, that anything sent registered mail is deemed to be sent. So they can't say they didn't get it if the registered mail uh, receipt says they got it, period. So that's one for the collector and the other one's for the bank. The one for the bank is the short thing where you say you wanna settle the above reference matter, please provide me with a statement and together with your assurance that you will accept payment in direct and immediate exchange for the original instrument of indebtedness in, in its original form. After the bank doesn't reply to that short and sweet notice, you send a second one to follow up. To whom it may concern, it is apparent that you have overlooked or ignored my request to confirm that you would accept full payment of the alleged obligation from me in consideration of your delivery to me of the original instrument of indebtedness in its original form. Accordingly, Unless I receive writ your written confirmation that you will accept payment from me in consideration of your delivery to me, the original instrument of indebtedness in its original form, on or before August 15th and the year, I will conclude that you are either unable or unwilling to comply, and I will thereafter consider the matter between us to have been legally and financially settled. Sincerely, Dave Milhouse. They motivated me to go down the rabbit hole and find out. And not only that, I stuck it to them. I took down one of the biggest law firms in Winnipeg, stopped them at the door. I stopped uh, the other collector they sold the debt to as well. I, the guy calls me up, and at this point, I know I'm the, like, I feel invincible. I just shut down the lawyers, so who the fuck's this guy? And he's like, ah, it's so-and-so from whatever collections. 
Uh, I purchased your debt, he says. <laughs> I was like, well, that was stupid. <laughs> and I just hung up on him like, you fucking moron, oh you know? Oh, possessions, yeah. nine-tenths of the law. Enjoy that debt, wow. sir. So they literally buy it for like pennies on the dollar and then try to extort you is what they do. Yeah. Because they know even if like, I don't know, four out of 50 people pay, they're actually going to be up money. So it's a very scummy uh, little world these collectors live in. But there you go. Um, I'm not saying you should do this at all. And I'm not giving any legal advice here. This is just what I did. I handled my own affairs. I've done that. I've taken care of a parking ticket. Uh, photo radar is pretty easy. We can get into those. But uh, first, I, I'll just kick it back to uh, my man Johnny here. Like, does that yeah. make sense? Is there any questions? How? Wow. No. Um I love that story. I like uh, that you're able to walk through that because I also have a friend that was able to uh, ex- essentially ask for proof that she owed, you know, five thousand dollars on some DJ equipment, and they weren't able to prove it, and it was, you know, turned into nothing. You know, it's amazing when you start asking these people for proof that they you actually owe them. Um, that all of a sudden, if you do it in the right way, they can't prove anything because you you created the value, <laughs> and it, just like as you said. But again, we're not. Um, like you say, we're not lawyers or, you know, we're not giving any legal advice or trying to give you ways to skirt the law. But the, the reality is, is that there's a good chance based on what I understand and what Dave understands through what he's gone through, that um, when you dig into this stuff, that the actual financial system is exactly backwards. And they've, um, they've just found a really good way to kind of exploit us for the value that we actually intrinsically have as humans, you know. Um, but um, I don't know if that makes sense to you as far as like maybe a, a synopsis if I said anything that uh, that you know is cringeworthy there I know when you start talking details on some of this stuff it's pretty technical and I'm technical when I get involved in this stuff but you know it's been years since I've really gone down this rabbit hole um, I mean one of the biggest things I think that people you know get into is the <laughs> the other one that is kind of beside this uh, is the taxation one um, before we before we get into taxation, though, I was going to say, um, you know, when you talked about getting out of a parking ticket, um, when you read the bills of exchange, you know, parking tickets and these violations, they're bills of exchange as well. And, um, you know, they give you the receipt, but you actually need the original, but they can't file it if they don't have the original themselves. You can actually request the original copy if you go to a, it's a little trick that I um, have anecdotally heard. <laughs> that you can go and request f- for the original through uh, Justice of the Peace. Um, and um, and once you have it, they actually don't have any claim to you because... <laughs> right, because uh, copies they, aren't accepted. Exactly, yeah. So um, it's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's 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 wild. <clears throat> I have experienced the parking tickets because I just wanted to know if it would work. I didn't care about actually paying it. Uh, so I, of course, I've gone down these law rabbit holes and I understand what a notice is. So your parking ticket is just a notice. And they're saying, hey, uh, you owe us this much money because you parked here on this day and we need it by this date, basically. I don't have it in front of me, but that's pretty much what a parking ticket is. But it's not a bill. It's not a bill as per the Bills of Exchange Act. Uh, it's just a. It's just like a piece of paper that's fancy. That's a legal notice. They're opening a conversation legally, right? And if you do not reply to that, silence is consent. 
Uh, when it comes to notices, 100% that's how it works. That's why we still have Canada Post and Mail. It's because you need the mail as your legal you know, avenue. You need to take care of everything in your life outside of court and do your best mm-hmm. to do that. Otherwise, you're in dishonor. So mm-hmm. if you are want to take someone to court without trying to sell it out of court, you actually start behind the eight ball because you're in dishonor at the start of your court case. So that's not that's not where you want to be. Um, and if you're like, I don't know you, nah, 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 nah. That's also childish and not honorable, whereas I'm always offering to take care of things. And but, you know, they have to provide me proof, basically. So you're always in honor in that situation. No one should ever have to pay without proof or a proper bills of exchange, because that's what the Bills of Exchange Act says. No one is liable to pay anything until they have presented a proper bill as per the Bills of Exchange Act. So when it comes to a parking ticket, it's very simple. Who the fuck is giving you this parking ticket? Well, it's the city of Winnipeg where I live. Oh, cool name for your company. (laughs) You know, that's all it is. They just named their company something cool like that. The Winnipeg Parking Authority. Wow, great name for a corporation. Do you own the roads? Nope. Uh, Nope. The people own the roads, sir. Oh, cool. So what I do for a parking ticket, and I haven't had one in like a decade either, but it was fun and I would do it again just to stick it to them, is (laughs) you just reply to their notice and say, oh, hey, um, thank you for your notice as of this date where you imply I owe X amount of dollars for a parking violation on this street. I am not aware of any contractual obligation I have with you. Uh, Just like the other one said, uh, by means of either directly, indirectly, or by means of any tacit consent. Accordingly, I do not understand <laughs> how to... You can you can use that line, or what I do is I say, however, if I do, I would gladly pay it. Please provide me with a copy of the contract and a proper bill as per the Bills of Exchange Act, and I will take care of it right away. Sincerely, Dave Milhouse. You send that registered mail, and it'll go away. Because you have offered to pay it in exchange for a proper bill, which they cannot give you a proper bill because you did not order it. If you go to a restaurant, you order your breakfast, they give you a bill. I did not order a parking ticket. They do not own the road. I do not have a contract with them unless I ignore the contract offering, which will become consensual if I do. Right? That's how they get the contract to collect from you in the first place. But if you just hit the ball back over the net and say, well, I don't have a contract with you, but if I do... I'll gladly take care of it. That way you stay honorable. Then you're, you know, you're set. What are they going to do? Take you to court with no evidence and no bill when you already offered to pay it if they give you a bill? It's hilarious. They would go into court in dishonor with no evidence and you already have everything to file that would win you the court case. Game over. So it just goes away. They're not going to send me mail saying, you're right, Mr. Milhouse. Like, and then obviously that would get on the internet and people would try it. But no one's going to just take my word for it because they're pussies. <laughs> so that's how this works you know um no offense but everyone listening is probably too scared to try this and i understand why but it's a rabbit hole you should really go into because you have no idea how badly you're being abused by mm. the law when really <laughs> this is all just a bunch of bullshit um like it's crazy i have this whole file here i mean it's a well. It's a crazy word game that we're playing with them, right? And exactly, uh, the difference between legalese and English is most of the game, and people don't yeah. seem to know any of it. 
Yeah, like when a police officer says, do you understand? And you're like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Well, what you're actually saying is you stand under their authority and now you're playing their game. It's actually... 100%. A, you, yeah. You nailed it. You're giving them jurisdiction over you. Yeah. That's and right. standing under what they say. So when you get pulled over and they tell you you're under arrest for uh, DUI, and they read you your rights and then they say, do you understand? You're, you're agreeing that everything they just said is true mm-hmm. on a crime scene. Like, yeah. it's... When, when you're on the side of the road with a police officer, that's like considered the same thing as a courtroom. Okay? Yeah. It, it is. It, so it's the same thing taking place. And if you're going to admit on the record by standing under it, you lose. You're not going to walk into court and then say, oh, I didn't do it. Well, you already stood under it. So yeah. now you're contradicting yourself. Yeah, yeah. And when you contradict yourself in court, given them an authority. you lose. <laughs> you can't be trusted if you're saying one thing yeah. and then saying the opposite. So your opinion doesn't matter anymore in the court of law. Oh, cool. Well, you're being tried for something, so you just lost. So basically what's really important (laughs) is when they read you your rights, any rights at all, and they say, do you understand? The answer is no, because otherwise you're standing under them and giving them authority. So they'll tell you, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. Do you understand? Think about what they're saying. You have the right to remain silent, but they didn't mention that silence is consent. Anything you say or do will be used against you in the court of law. So if you want to talk to them, they already now have the contract to take you to the court of law. Mm -hmm. And then they ask if you understand that. So if you agree, if you stand under what they just said, then they have a legally binding contract with you to take you to court and slap you in the face with all this shit. (laughs) So if you're silent, you're consenting. If you say yes, you're consenting. If you say no, you're telling them to fuck off. And let me tell you, when you tell them no, when they ask that simple question, do you understand? They're not very happy about it. They get kind of pissed off. It's like they were taught never to take no as an answer. So then they read you your rights again. And then ask if you understand. And the answer again is obviously no. Hmm. Because... They need you to say yes so they can close the case. They're they're just trying to incriminate you on the scene. Or they need you to be silent because then you're consenting. But if all you say is no, you're not incriminating yourself. <laughs> what are they going to take you to court and say, well, you said no. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. You're not giving them the contract to do it, you know. So it's actually pretty funny and they will get so pissed off that, you know, it's going to be weird. Uh, but I've I've had experience with that too, and spent a night in the tank once. <laughs> it wasn't fun, but I was correct, and uh, they weren't able to do anything to me because I didn't understand anything. Amazing how that works. Um, yeah, <laughs> pretty complex, I guess. Like you know, we're getting all over the place. But... Yeah. No, I was just gonna say I I get uh, like in my head I sometimes I listen to some of these guys talk about these topics, and they have such a knowledge base because. When you want to be sovereign or you want to take more responsibility for your own life and get yourself out of some of these systems that we're in, it's like you really got to understand what you're getting yourself into. And when you understand the law um, and how to actually speak to these people, which are they're just people like you, but they just speak in a different language and they've been taught how to use that to their advantage. And um, when you find people that understand how to talk that way to put the ball back in their court, give themselves the power, you realize like, man, you know, 
there is a lot to know, but maybe it's not as complex as we maybe think that it is. You know, it's kind of like the Bills of Exchange Act and all these things. You know, people, has anyone even read them? Like, how many people do you know that reads reads this stuff? And they're not even long documents, you know, when you start getting into them, you know. Um, but no one takes the time to actually dig in and actually find out what their rights are and what some of these really important documents mean. And mm-hmm. if you're listening to this and you're like, well, hey, that's me, maybe it's time to start looking and looking behind, peeking behind the curtain. And it's actually right in front of our faces. You could pull it up on Google because it's a document, you know, that is a government document. So... All the laws and stuff are available to you because you're bound to them. They're very exactly. easy to find. But you've yeah. been convinced that you are not smart enough to understand it, that you need to hire a lawyer. Do you know how <laughs> funny that is? Yeah, these uh, you're not allowed to break any of these rules. These are the rules, but uh, you wouldn't understand them anyway. So maybe just call a member of the law society. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they'll take care of you who's not a part of their society. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, people... Take some responsibility for yourself. Knowledge is power. This is the most powerful rabbit hole in the world. Um, you want to talk about mask mandates? Because everybody um, knows you have to wear a mask. Yeah, everybody knows. Correct? You have Everyone to wear knows, a mask. right? Especially yeah. in uh, public places. Well, yeah. let's uh, take a look here. The city of Winnipeg has some stuff on the government website here. One of the questions is: When are face masks required? Well, let's just go over this quick. Face masks must be worn over the mouth, nose, and chin at all times with the following exemptions, including but not limited to. So right at the start, they're already telling you it's not limited to this list. There is other exemptions, but we won't tell you what they are. Okay. So persons under the age of five. Persons who are unable to place, use, or remove a mask without assistance. Persons unable to wear a mask due to mental or physical concern or limitation or protected ground under the human rights or Manitoba Human Rights Code. That's just the first three. There's a, there's a few here, but have you noticed the theme? It's persons, 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 not the human being. Person, the person, your straw man, your corporation, <laughs> how they trick you into being this person. You're not a person. You're a human. You have a person. I'll continue. Persons consuming food or drink in designated seating areas or as a part of a religious or spiritual ceremony. Who's to tell you if you're a part of a spiritual ceremony by yourself in a mall? I mean, that's going to be kind of hard to prove. Or uh, is some sort of religious thing like you're religious? Like, so that's that's kind of a gray area you could get away with pretty easy. I think it's very reasonable to say... Uh, the third one I read, unable to wear a mask due to mental or physical concern or limitation because you, it doesn't say a doctor's concern. It could be your own your own concern that this is uh, bad for your mental health. This could cause damage to your lungs by not breathing quality air and bacteria. There you go. You already have a note. You have physical concern. You know, the remedy is always in the, the you know, the statement of law. Uh, there's a few more here, like persons who are swimming, uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Uh, so you already found that you have a couple outs here because you can just say, well, I have physical concern. And it says right here on the government website that that is an exemption. (laughs) Uh, then it says question 12, do I need to prove that I am exempt from wearing a mask? The answer the government put on their website says no period. All persons are exempt 
or, or sorry, all persons are expected to make good personal decisions regarding use of face masks. And then in brackets, it says, considering the list of exemptions and would be not expected and would not be expected to provide evidence to support their decision. Members of the public will not be denied service for not wearing a face mask. Huh, how about that? It says right here on the government website that no one can deny you service for not wearing the mask and no one can ask you to prove your exemption. That doesn't sound like what's going on, Dave. <laughs> that doesn't sound like what's going on. Oh, well, everyone knows it's a mandate. Everyone knows it's a mandate. And every yeah. time I'm the only person in the fucking store without one and nobody says a word. And now over the intercom, they even mention there are some mask exemptions. Please be kind to those not wearing, not able to wear a mask and stuff because people get upset at them, I guess. No one gets yeah. in my face. I wonder why. Probably because I'll punch them out. Uh, but if yeah. you're some pathetic looking person, they probably bully you, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, but man. that's pretty funny hey so well, persons unable to wear a mask due to mental or physical concern is your remedy you can say yeah i am concerned about a physical concern or you can just say that i'm exempt because no one can ask you for it yeah. that's the law everybody knows the law guys mm. they're telling you that you don't have to participate in this that's how they get away with mandating all this when they're in court about all this crap, do you think they're saying, yeah, we're breaking the law? Or they say, well, we told them. We told yep. them that there's exemptions. We told them that we can't even ask for them. You know, they're, they're wearing it by choice. You're deciding to wear it. Um, so that's your mask mandates. And believe me, my city is no different than yours. If you just Google your city mask exemption, the government website should come up with, with you know rulings on it. That's how I found this. And I, you know, to confirm, I checked out Ottawa's and I looked around. And it's all the same shit. So yeah. how about that? Everybody knows you have to wear a mask. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, right. Um, Take back the power, guys. You do not have to do anything. It's all contract law. And mm -hmm. if you do not accept the contract, you are not bound to it because they cannot force you to contract. That's illegal. That's the first rule of contract law is there is no force contracting, meaning they can't tell you well you can't have a job here unless you contract with pfizer that's literally illegal and avoids the contract mm -hmm. so why do you think there's all this pushback and like oh well by this date you have to have your vaccine to work here and then oh that gets pushed back a couple months oh it gets pushed back a couple months that's what's been happening in winnipeg and uh amazing it's always coming but then it gets pushed back well they can't enforce this stuff they're just tricking you like they're literally using psychology to just trick you it's sad but it's true so uh we can check off the mask mandate box i guess <laughs> well, uh, sure. equality sorry uh, should i go over the equality being paramount because that's what this kind of comes down to as well is um article 7 of the universal declaration of human rights states all are equal before the law and are entitled without any discrimination to equal protection of the law okay uh, thus, everyone must be treated equally under the law, regardless of race, gender, color, ethnicity, religion, disability, or other characteristics, your VAC status, without privilege, discrimination, or bias. So they're giving you privileges if you do this, right? You can go to restaurants, you can go out. They're not allowed to <laughs> discriminate against you, but they're totally discriminating against you based on your preference. Um, it's illegal and that's why this can't continue unless well a bunch of other people just carry out the orders for them like store owners 
Mm-hmm. It's not the government what, doing it. It's not us doing it. Say, right? So that's how they do this. They're just using psychology to fuck with everyone. Yeah, they hide behind all the other corporations and they let the other corporations do all the dirty work. And then when it comes back to them, they point to the piece of paper and says, no, well, I just said persons, first of all, mm-hmm. which isn't yeah. actually them. It's their corporation fiction. And uh, just like you said, right? Like there's all kinds mm-hmm. of loopholes in there. There's no, nothing actually mandating anything. You know, in this no, entire of course situation, not. it's a, it's a, it's totally up to you. You have to accept these contract offerings. But let's do that one more time. All are equal before the law, and are entitled without any discrimination to equal protection of the law. Okay, so if we're all equal, that means you're equal with the government. So why does the government even get to write laws that apply to you? That would never happen in an equal relationship. <laughs> so this takes me to some interesting things like. Is government even a real thing? <laughs> what What do you think? I mean, we were talking about this pre-show. We were, yeah. And what do you What are your that, thoughts? That's a really good point, right? Because we know that the government is a corporation on its own, right? It structures a corporation. Everything that operates within the government is crown corporation, and um, and then we have this whole thing of democracy that gets kind of put at us. But is that really just? Um, Okay, well, and I want to distinguish two things. When we say government, what are we really talking about? Because government, when you translate it in other languages, you know, people will say, ah, you're kooky if you bring this up. But it literally means mind control. So if you ask me, do we have government mind control? I would say absolutely we do. <laughs> but if do we have government as in like um, a representative um, jurisdiction or a, a, re- a representative class of people that are speaking for uh, what everyone wants in the common land, I would say no, because we're living in the Canadian government, which is, or I shouldn't say the word government, in Canada, <laughs> which is a corporation. And really, I think that democracy just allows us to create this cloud of confusion where we think that we actually have a say in the corporation, which then confuses the whole thing, you know? Um, anyway, that's my take when, from what we were talking about earlier on. I don't know if... What, what do you think? I don't know. You know check out what uh, the United States or Canada or something is legally defined as. And according to 28 U.S.C. 3002, Article 15A, United States means A, a federal corporation, B, an agency, department, commission, board, or other entity of the United States, or C, an instrumentality of the United States. Uh, does yeah. any of that sound like government to you? <laughs> no. Uh, the United no. States is a name of a corporation, just like the one you work for, just like your name in all caps. And we just yeah. talked about how equality is paramount before the law. Yeah. So they're no more powerful than you. They're just a corporation. And the whole idea of government, like you said, literally translates as that Greek, I can't remember what language that is, but you can get on Google and start looking. Uh, it literally means mind control. Ment is mind and govern is control. Um, so that's an interesting word because <laughs> here we are. I'm saying this whole, this is all psychological warfare, what we're going through now with this fake fucking, I don't even want to talk about it because everyone else get upset. It's not fake. How could everybody be in on it? Oh my God, guys. <laughs> Yeah, everybody's in on it. There's only about 80,000 people fighting this right now. Nobel Prize winning virologists, scientists, and doctors. But 
You don't believe them. You only believe the ones that work for the government. It's so cool. Um, it's a federal corporation. So does the government even exist? Um, I don't know. I don't <clears> think that. I think we, every episode so far I've said if we go to the court of law and it's up to you to prove it exists, according to the law, I I don't believe that government's a real thing. It's not a real construct. I think if you had to prove government's real in court based on the legal definitions and everything, you wouldn't be able to. Period. Government doesn't exist. The country doesn't exist. There's a question that comes up to me. I want to just jump in if I can. Sorry, Mexican internet. I, I feel like there's a gap. Oh, there. yeah, we're choppy. Go ahead, my man. Um, the, the one question I have, though, is like, okay, so because I'm trying to wrap my head around this idea. Okay, well, is the government really a real thing? And let's pretend for a minute that we are all on an island and there is a population of 100 people. Um, and if 20 of them understood the legal ramifications or the things that we're talking about, and they just basically built a corporation and they started building it up, could they just basically take control over the island without there actually being a way, um, without having a rebellion? And how would you do that? I mean, that, that pretty much the structure we have right now with democracy would allow them to get to get in there. Uh, right. But the, the other thing that I think about too, though, is, you know, but how do you explain then, you know, the House of Representatives and, you know, they have parliament and they all meet and all this kind of stuff. Well, what is really going on in that facade like, what is really happening? Is that just a board meeting? Like, what's actually going on um, if if the government doesn't really exist? I'm just playing devil's advocate, kind of like, hey, let's talk about this a little bit. Let's open it up. Right? Please, let's do. <laughs> yeah. So if the government doesn't really exist and they're just basically, I, I love this. You put this before, like, again, pre-show, you're like, well, you know, some guy calls you from another country and they say, I'm, uh, you know, Prince Azad and you owe, you know, you owe me X amount of dollars and you give it to some kind of like weird scam you know, or get involved in a scam. Like, are, is the government any different than that? And I don't think so. I don't yeah. anymore. <laughs> I think it's like a literally just psychological warfare. Like the, the word government literally means mind control. Um, and I think they're telling you that they're just, this is all mind control. It's actually hilarious that they rub it in your face because it's a corporation. Mm -hmm. And a corporation can be no more powerful before the law than another corporation. And even less powerful than man. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I mean. Because you as a human is more powerful than your corporation. None of those yeah. laws even apply to humans. They only apply to corporation. So how could a corporation take control of man? They can't. Uh, they could only take control of uh, sub-corporations of them. That's why you're registering corporations with the government. Like my business is called something, 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 Canada Inc. Yeah. On paper. <laughs> so it's, I'm incorporating in the Corporation of Canada. And that's why they get to tell me what rules I have to follow. <laughs> I mean, the crazy thing is, is that when you start actually thinking and when you start realizing, even through meditations, how powerful a human being is, and then you realize that law and all these different things, it's like another layer on top of everything that is basically controlling how we act and we're conforming to certain things. It really is kind of like, it is mind control, really, that we um, do a lot of the things that we do in society. You know, you, like uh, most people would try not to get dead or drive too fast or kill themselves anyways. But, uh, you know, we have to follow the Simon Says rules and the mask mandates and all these kinds of things. It's this secondary layer. But when you peel that all back, 
and you realize how much power we actually have as a person, imagine how much power you have if you could control all these people that um, are literally creating their own realities at any moment. Well, now they're creating your reality and they're doing it through your layer <laughs> of mind control. <coughs> if that makes any I sense. I think so. I mean, I've always kind of thought it's a little bit like, I've always said like countries aren't real. They're just like, this imaginary thing that we all think exists, but it's just a corporation and it's just yeah. a jurisdiction. Those are the two things. Uh, I'll just keep using Canada as an example, but it's the same thing for Mexico. Uh, yeah. Same idea as the United States. Uh, there's a jurisdiction and there's a corporation. Um, and so, so the government doesn't actually exist then. In in like legally, it doesn't. It's just a corporation. Piece of paper. So what? Like they just tell us they're a government. But they're not. And so uh, have we actually ever had a government or is that the ultimate conspiracy is they've just convinced us that they are in control of us because yeah. legally it's impossible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, we were in control it of ourselves. Impossible. Yeah. yeah. If we're all equal before the law, then how can they be in control of you? How can they write new laws that affect you? Well, they, they can't. Yeah. And so I urge you uh, not to, again... I'm going to keep saying it. This is not legal advice. None of this is. It's just ideas uh, because we decided to read the law ourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm yeah. telling you, if uh, legally there's no such thing as government, it's just a corporation, and equality is paramount before the law, then hmm, uh, that doesn't make sense to me. And so I will go as far as saying that not only... Are they making up uh, viruses and fake pandemics by just giving us fake tests and using too many cycles and uh, just rebranding the flu? Um, (laughs) And we even talked last episode about the earth and stuff. How could everyone be in on that? Well, how could everyone be in on the fact that the government is real? Because legally it's not. And I think you would have a lot of trouble going into a court and proving that the government is a real thing. I really do. I think you could prove it's a corporation, but where would be mm-hmm. the paperwork that says that it's a government? What would you I don't point get at? It. What would you point yeah, at like, and say in, that's in law, the government? In law. Of course, there's all kinds of shit that would say they're government. We see it every day. There's government websites. There's, but what, like, what is actual concrete evidence that this corporation is your government? I, oh, man, I don't know. Because legally, I just don't think it's possible when you look at the definition of the United States as a federal corporation how can you say that that's a government? Um, and so I'm confused. Um, but people I've learned from, they, you know, they don't believe there is a government. They're saying that, no, it's just a corporation. And that's that. I mean, well, according to, like I said, 28 USC 3002 Article 15A, yeah. uh, it's just a corporation, guys. <laughs> so, a corporation and they know all the rules. They know all the tricks, right? That's the all the rules and all the tricks is right. Um, but yeah, so it, it is kind of hilarious that um, I think it's the Greek word. We should probably look it up, but it means mind control. That's hilarious because everything that we deal with seems to be psychological warfare where they can write these laws, which are actually just legislation, which is actually just rules of the corporation for the corporations, uh, which don't apply to human beings, but they trick you into being a human being. I mean, into being a person. <laughs> so they'll say, you can't run a red light, but you see people do it all the time. So obviously it's not a law because laws are like physics, right? <laughs> 
things that are impossible. Yeah, it's like uh, the Simpsons episode. You can't you can't drive without a license. Woo! <laughs> he starts the, the car. car and he's like, "Yeah, it worked. It worked exactly. It's all mind control. None of it exists in a world where people aren't obedient because how are they going to enforce it if everyone just says fuck off? Yeah, we give them the power. Yeah, we give them totally. the power because if everybody ran stop signs, that would just be the way it is. That's how it is in other countries. That, that, that's the funny thing, too, is that when you have a consensus of most people that are abiding and uh, believing and operating under that premise that they are the government and they're the ruling class, then they, uh, they give in to all those rules. And then most of the people would abide by those rules. And that becomes common law because common law is based on what is common. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it evolves based on what's common. So over time, it just becomes what they've controlled it to become through the government, through the corporation that is existing, right? That's amazing, yeah, the actually. The common law, though, only refers to humans, not to corporate fictions at all. Exactly. That would be the only difference. But it would be, in a sense, the law of the common. So, yes. Uh, yeah. If everybody ran stop signs, that would just be the norm. That would be the way it is. <laughs> Nobody it is does, and then you do. They'll hit you. <laughs> yeah, Mexico is a perfect example. So, um, you may not realize this, but there is many definitions of person. Uh, for one, person just itself, I'll just read this Black's Law Dictionary. It's second edition. I don't really love this edition. There's probably like 11 or 12 now. But um, a man considered according to the rank he holds in society, with all the rights to which the place he holds entitles him, and the duties which imposes a human being considered as capable of having rights and of being charged with duties. Interesting. So they're tricking you into being both uh, somebody that could have human rights, but also uh, has to fulfill duties. Mm. And no human can have to fulfill duties because they're not contracted to. But a person comes with duties and that's all your legislation. Okay. Interestingly enough, the definition of a natural person, much different than the definition of person or uh, our juridical person is another one they'll call you. What is a natural person? According to Black's Law Dictionary, it is a human being, naturally born, versus a legally generated juridical person. So now they're telling you there's a big difference between the two, aren't there? Holy huh. shit, yeah. How about that? As opposed, versus a legally generated juridical person. So they've totally told you right now there's a completely huge difference between a person... Um, I guess it's called juridical person or a natural person. So, but no one tells you what person they're talking to, right? They just call you a person. But this is a human being naturally born. A human being that's naturally born is not subject to legislation. Just so you know, only your corporate fiction is, which is also known as a juridical person. Interesting, isn't it? I mean, what do you think of that? Yeah, I would tell you one thing that is kind of crazy is like when you think about Black's Law, even some of those dictionaries, um, you know, they have the same term in all these different dictionaries and uh, and the term is completely different almost. They're very or subtly different. And the difference, yep. you know, it's impossible for a layman, like a person that is just me and you off the street to really keep up with it all. Not impossible, but, you know. It's got your priority. You really have to, def yeah, you have to really define, like, what do you even mean when you say X, Y, Z? We're so loose with our language, you know, even 
for us doing this podcast, we um, we bring in a certain amount of base knowledge, but are we really that careful about the specific language? Uh, we could be saying a few different things and people might understand it completely differently depending on what their background is. And that's why we always say, you know, like, hey, we're not lawyers and we're not pros. We're just basically, you know, this is entertainment and we're we're just trying to share mm-hmm. our our journey down this rabbit hole too, right? So mm-hmm. um, definitely because we don't even know, like, if, if we started digging into some of the def- the definitions, what implications could actually happen um, or what could be proved in a court of law. And that's that's the tricky part. And that's actually the kind of exciting part. When I started learning, like, how they can really use language against us um, or to pin us into these kind of situations where we believe that we are the person, right? Like what you're saying, mm-hmm. the different definitions of what a person is. It's like... Um, then I started really understanding what it means to be a human rights lawyer because you're like, oh, well, those are just hippie people that, you know, think <laughs> we should save the oceans and um, these kinds of like really big world peace items. It's like, no, man, you have rights as a human being and we're being violated every single day. And uh, who actually understands that? Well, a human rights lawyer knows that kind of stuff. I know someone that used to work for one. And there's all kinds over the last two years. If you're a human rights lawyer, you are busy, my friend. <laughs> Uh, you oh are really God. busy. Yeah, they're making bank. Oh my God! It's gosh. busy, busy these days. But they don't talk about that on the news. Yeah. The old justice. You know, that's just a, a funny way of saying just us. That's who the system's for. <laughs> for you. <laughs> I've never heard but, that uh, one. That's good. I like. No. That. You, oh, all these words are just wordplay. Yeah. The just yeah. us of the court. Yeah. Fuck yourself, common man. <laughs> well, the other thing that's interesting, too, and we never got into it, and we probably won't have time, uh, but it'd be cool to dig it into, into a little bit more, maybe on another episode. But, you know, when you step into a courtroom and you're actually in maritime law, essentially, and you're it's as if you're entering a ship and, like, all the rules that are based on whether you're actually on a ship. Um, I don't know if you've actually heard any of that stuff, but oh, yeah. uh, I find that pretty uh, fascinating, too. Like, some of the old rules that have been around for, you know, hundreds hundreds of years for sure um that we don't even know when we step into a courtroom and it's a game you know we're stepping into court <laughs> on the court. yeah that's what the bar is when you when you cross the bar in court you're yeah. entering the ship uh, essentially yeah it's pretty crazy when you're outside of that you're you're not under a certain jurisdiction it's, there's a lot of fun stuff in law and we can do so many episodes probably on this the constitution let's just uh Let's go over this. I I don't think it's real, basically, based on the evidence. Uh, (laughs) Let's say everyone knows the Constitution is real. Okay, great. So uh, the Constitution really isn't relevant when the president can unilaterally declare a U.S. citizen a terrorist, order his assassination without any judicial review, legislative oversight, or administrative appeal. Um, And so the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments, the right to liberty, life, and property... Uh, don't really exist if the president can order you to be killed legally. I mean, that should be about as clear as day that you can't have a law that contradicts another law. So this constitution isn't actually for the people, as everyone knows it is for the people. I think it's actually for the states, not for the people. Um, But, you know, that's kind of for another day. But how about that? I mean, if the president can literally do that, then your, you know, your constitution's void. No offense, I guess. Uh, yeah, I the Constitution—that's like the the greatest writing of all time. But 
Uh, as you can see, they're trampling on it, and that's probably why. <laughs> it's because it doesn't belong to the people. It actually belongs to the states. Um, what are your thoughts on that? We'll just go quick. Sure. Um, I would say, I mean, it kind of lines up with the whole idea that they're just a corporation, right? Because they can just make executive decisions, which... Um, you can't be in a equal relationship if someone could be making executive decisions on you. You know, if you're in a marriage and she just pointed and she was like, kill him, <laughs> you know, uh, like that doesn't seem very balanced or fair or equal. Um, would you say that wouldn't be equality before the law? That would not be equality before the law, I would say, you know. Um, <laughs> I... I <laughs> And, you know, we in Canada, they, they have the same kind of thing. I can't remember which bill it is, but uh, they it's not that long ago they brought it in. And maybe you know the number of the bill. I don't know if it's like 57 or 17. Or, um, I just can't think of it right at the moment. I was trying to pull it up. Maybe 69. No, I don't know. But essentially, you know, if, if you get in the way of whatever the government's trying to do, they can label you a terrorist and then they have the right to do whatever they want with you. <laughs> yeah, so. just like I just read. They have the, the right to order you to be killed without... Uh like a jury or anything yeah and i mean every and you're you are entitled to a trial by a jury of your peers <laughs> but nobody actually gets one anymore that's right. the sixth amendment of the united states constitution um i believe it guarantees that in all criminal prosecutions that the accused has the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of their peers you mm. don't get that these days you have a de facto court system where the government gets to decide what happens that's that's what that is. That's what the judges. You don't have a jury, right? And it's funny because the government's the one breaking all these laws. I mean, we should just call them what they are—a corporation—and um, they should be entitled uh, for their criminal prosecution to a jury, an impartial jury. And what do you think the people would do to them right now? <laughs> I think they would probably vote them guilty. But instead, the government gets to decide because they're a government judge in the de facto court gets to say, eh, you're cool. I mean, is it kind of a, co a conflict of interest too? Like who appoints the judge? The government appoints the judges, you know, like, um, yeah, absolutely. Is, so is the judge going to do something that's going to lose him his job? If he doesn't, you know, if politically there might be some pressure or some certain money or, or funding a gun or, to your head or a gun to your head or your family or, you it. know, they, or they get you, they get some kind of dirt and, uh, you know, blackmail, and then they put the, that person into power because now they have, you know, a little bit of a uh, pressure point that they could play with. Yeah, right? they, they take you over to Epstein Island and feed you a 15-year-old, <laughs> and then they uh, tell you to play ball. Yeah, um, exactly. So that kind of fucked up stuff happens, but guess who's not getting trial by an impartial jury of their peers is everybody, including the people that need to be prosecuted right now. So that's mm -hmm. another thing in the Constitution that's completely trampled. Uh, because it's literally just imaginary. They told you it exists to make you feel comfortable, I think. No, it's been great. And uh, I, I really appreciate you walking through, especially your experience with, uh, you know, with notices and uh, working through uh, some of those debts, right? Because that's probably one of the most practical things that people can start doing to test this out to see if it's real. Because what's the worst thing that can happen if you follow through on it? They're just going to send you a notice and say, no, you need to pay, right? Um, yep. Do it with a parking ticket. It's a hundred bucks. Like, who cares? <laughs> exactly. They're not gonna put you in jail for saying you're happy to pay if they give you a bill. You know, so just send it registered mail and see what happens. You'll be amazed. You'll get nothing in return, and no one will bug you ever again.
Yeah, I wish I would have known this stuff when I was younger. I was the honorable guy. I got myself, I did a couple little business deals and whatever, and I was young, ambitious. I took on too much and ended up with a bunch of debt that I couldn't service because I didn't understand cash flow quite right. So, you know, when you're, you know, paying like $5,000 a month uh, and you're in your early 20s, it's pr- or just to service debt, uh, you know, then you have to do something about it. I did the honorable thing and it cost me seven years to uh, <laughs> to get back my credit system and everything else. But I could have done the same thing, but uh, maybe not had to pay out. Um, <laughs> pay through my nose if I would have understood some of these principles. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, everyone goes through their own journey and uh, hopefully this, uh, what we've talked about today, will be able to help you in some way or another or at least put you on path to uh, to start understanding maybe what we're trying to talk about, uh, which is fringe stuff, some people will say. It's very fringe, but it's, maybe there's a reason that people don't want you talking about it, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah, they don't want us all discussing what the laws are. <laughs> that would not be good for controlling us. And I want to make it clear also, when I did um, when I did go after them about my finances, uh, they don't care that I'm right, by the way. They'll still mess up your credit. Um, but according to the laws or the legislation around all this, mm-hmm. if you go seven years without acknowledging a debt, meaning you haven't paid one cent or acknowledged it at all, it will disappear. Uh, so they'll give you bad credit, and then seven years later, all of a sudden, it's going to disappear off your record, and there's going to be a seven-year gap in your history. Mm. And it's funny, because when I started my business and I'm at the bank, they're like, what the fuck happened here? It seems like you just disappeared off the face of the earth for a while. I don't yeah. know. I just wasn't using debt or anything. You know, I didn't need to. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Here's your business credit card, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's exactly what happened to me. You know, I learned how to live on uh, cash for a long time. And then all of a sudden, like, okay, time's up, seven years. I was like, you know, that's the thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm getting like tens of thousands of dollars in credit for my businesses and everything else. And it's like, you know, uh, as if nothing had ever happened. They don't care. It's just <laughs> the person that looks at the system, they see if there's any infractions, right? Uh, it's uh, They just write it off. It's, it's pretty, called a bad crazy, debt write off. Um, in their lingo. But yeah. Yeah, no problemo. Swiped right off the books. Amazing how that happens. And lastly, of course, none of this is legal advice, guys. This is all just entertainment. We probably made it all up. You should fact check us and call us out. Do <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. Prove us wrong. That's the most productive thing you can do. Um, so uh, let's say goodbye. Good episode, I hope. That's a great episode of Everybody Knows. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Johnny Melrose. And I'm Dave Milhouse, and this is Is Everybody Everybody Knows. knows. (laughs) See you next week. Cheers, bud. Everybody knows. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Everybody knows.